Welcome to the Believe in the Land podcast and show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's just celebrate the Browns. Guardians, we'll talk about them in a second. What's going on with Tristan Thompson coming back for the Cavs? We'll get into that. The Buckeyes quarterback dilemma continues, in my opinion. Beat Youngstown State. But the Browns have stolen the show. They have stolen the spotlight, as they should. That was a remarkable performance. There was a lot of hype and talk about the defense going into the game. I believed in this defense. What I saw in the preseason is not surprising what we saw here on Sunday with the Browns. They're a very talented defense. When you add parts and pieces to the defensive line, which needed to be done, you give a facelift to that defensive line. This is what the Browns needed to do two or three seasons ago. That They finally did it, and it is paying off in dividends in game one. They rocked the Bengals' world. They are actually playing at a level where it's going to take pressure off Deshaun Watson's offense to have to perform at a high level because they are that talented. The Browns have a rare combination. They have a good defensive scheme led by a good defensive coordinator who's re-energizes defense along with a great defensive line, along with a great secondary. Denzel Ward, all world on Sunday. Grant Delpit, wonderful, a wonderful game for Delpit. Wonderful. And then what you saw from Marvin Emerson, along with Newsom, throwing in there's the Darius Smith and Miles Garrett is causing just causing havoc. Is this going to, you know, there was a play I just watched where Miles Garrett's just kind of hopping around, having fun. The Browns defense is having fun. This does have a chance to begin something where the Browns could really go to big places. There doesn't need to be any more speculation. The results are in. What they did to the Bengals was tremendous. Yes, it was raining. Yes, Joe Burrow's on 100%. Who cares? Even if it was a dry track, even if Joe Burrow was healthy, maybe they get 10, 17 points. Bengals fans are crying, crying, whining about that game. That was that was a set the tone, set the season win. It's only week one. It's only one victory. But this wasn't Cade York making some miracle kick. This wasn't Jeff Garcia you know, hopes and dreams dash after that one win way back in the early 2000s with Butch Davis. Now, this is a very different win. In the division, at home, with a team that has high aspirations. You could not have selected a better way for the Browns to start because, again, it takes emphasis off this offense, which is going to help this offense grow. Deshaun Watson has some improvement. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Sean Watson, I don't think played bad, actually. I thought he played well to good. He didn't play great. <laughs> and he had some throws that were just oof, shaky. A lot of throws in the ground. A lot of forces. But, again, was it the weather? I, you know, hard to say. So I'm not going to say he played badly. I thought he played okay to good. He had, you know, he had a C game, C+. 
think C minus is hard. It seems to be able to get that kind of grade. It wasn't that. And I'll tell you why. Deshaun Watson, when he had to, and when he needed to, made the biggest play of the game. I thought that drive at the end of the at the end of the first half, I thought that drive was so key for the Browns. It was three-nothing. They had outplayed the Bengals, but because of a Jerome Ford fumble and because they weren't able to put up a touchdown, it kind of felt like the it kind of felt like the Bengals were just hanging around. Hanging around. And that's not a good feeling. As we all know, like we've seen this before. It's like, oh gosh, are we about ready to lose this? Are we gonna find a way to lose? And it kind of felt that way a little bit going into halftime, three nothing. But then on a third down 11, where it looked like, geez, the Bengals are going to get the ball back. That's oh, the last thing you want right now. Last thing you want. He made a big pass to Cooper. He made a couple good plays. He, um, Elijah Moore made a play. And then they finally are able to score on a great play call by Deshaun Watson. He deserves credit for that. That was a gutty play, but it worked. Worked big time. Look, the offense in this game didn't have worldly stats, but they leaned on 24. They leaned on Watson to make a few key plays and calls. He made the touchdown pass when he had to. And in that kind of game, that's what you have to do. And by the way, the Browns won comfortably. There's this illusion you have to have fireworks and sparklers and woohoo offense. You don't have to have that. You can have a good offense that controls the game without having to put up 40 plus points or even 35 and up points. And the Browns have that kind of team right now. The Browns have a team with this defense where it's like, just do what you need to do to control the game, control the tempo, and get the W in the win column. Deshaun Watson does not have to win games by himself. Nick Chubb does not have to win games by himself. The defense can carry some of these games now. It's pretty clear. We all know there'll be a game or two where they're going to need their offense, and that's where they're going to lean on them. But the Browns have something so special here that they can rely on defense to win games. But I do think there's been too much scuttlebutt about how poorly Deshaun Watson played. I don't think Deshaun Watson played poorly. He had some throws that made your head scratch. He didn't play good. I'm not saying that either. He played okay. Played okay. But that drive at the end of the second quarter was very key in this game. It helped determine and gave momentum to the Browns. And then once Garrett, who made the finishing play, was the Garrett play. The Browns, which they weren't going to lose the game anyways at that point, made sure to put the final death blow in with the touchdown pass to Harrison Bryant. Watson scoring again from there. That was a complete team win. They controlled the game. They really beat up the Bengals. It's only week one. And yes, Stefanski and Miles Garrett and this team always perform well against the Bengals. But how could you not get excited after that win? The temptation of dreaming big is there, and it should be. 
to not have Miles Garrett to have to do everything by himself. To that ball hawking cornerbacks. My gosh. You know, everybody picks on Andrew Berry for some of the draft picks. Juwan Jones, who we'll get to here in a second. And what we're seeing from Marvin Emerson, those guys can play. They can play. Very, very talented players. Very, very talented players. And again, the offense didn't go off. They didn't have to in this game. The second half, Bengals just couldn't move the ball at all. Um, even when they tried to throw to Newsom and uh, Marvin Emerson, didn't go anywhere. And Delpit was just flying around the ball. And like I said, the Miles Garrett play was the finishing move. And then finally, not lastly, but finally, we have a field goal kicker. Dustin Hopkins, no question. Three for three, an extra point later. Ten points. That's what this team needed. Anybody miss Cade York? No. Cade who? That was the most overblown. I wish he would have stuck with the team. No, stop, stop, stop. Hopkins proved his worth in gold because making those kicks made the game so much simpler. When you make field goal kicks with ease, it makes the game a lot more digestible. It makes the game simpler. He made the game easy. Hopkins' kicks were huge in this game, obviously. Huge. The Browns did not come out of this game unscathed. Dewan Jones is going to be the right tackle from here on out. Big shoes to fill. Browns are going to have to bring someone in. But Dewan Jones, so far, so good. I mean, he rated okay. He did an okay job. And back to Watson. It was pouring rain. Again, I, I, I he's he's going to use his legs to win, which I'm okay with. I'm I'm more than okay with. But Watson did what he had to do to win. And again, for people who want to criticize him to the you know, and really crucify him, I would point to that drive at the end of the first half. That was a crucial drive, and he made the plays, and he led the team down the field to score. That was a crucial drive in this game. They don't score there. I don't think the game ends the way it did. It's a much tighter game, nerve-wracking. Big plays. Big drive by the Browns. Huge drive. If you want one other nitpicky thing, Jerome Ford played better as the game went on, but that fumble's nerve-wracking. And he's, I'm not quite comfortable with him yet in this offense. Need to see more drum for before I say, yep, he's the guy. Not quite there yet. But enjoy this victory. Huge victory. And now the Browns have a rare chance. A rare chance of really simplifying the division. And what I mean by that is you go to, you know, you win a road game in Pittsburgh on Monday night. Watch out. Now the Steelers are bruised. Hayward is not playing in that game. The elite defensive lineman for the Steelers. So the Browns are going to be playing a wounded animal. 
with Watt going up against Jones, and Jones is going to have to be prepared. That's a tough matchup. Steelers are a lying, angry dog in this game. Browns have to be ready for the Steelers. Tough game. It's an interesting and exciting game to watch, but it's a tough game. That is walking into a bee's nest. That team is angry. They have to be pissed off. They play terribly against the Niners. Terribly. And they cannot afford to drop more games. Can't do it. Tough game. But is it possible to win this game? I'm actually saying yes, it is. And I don't know if I would have felt that way before the season. I do now. Exciting times. It's a great time to start off the season. Winning that game in Pittsburgh would be great. I don't like saying it's playing with house money. It's not playing with house money. You need to win that game, get a leg up on this division. You never know how the NFL season is going to go. Browns get the extra day, Monday Night Football. Pittsburgh, join me at Yard House, Monday Night Westlake. Crocker Park would be a lot of fun. Yard House, Crocker Park. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast running should be simple just put on your shoes and go and yet when you try to learn about how to get better at it especially as you age you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Transitioning to the Buckeyes. Buckeyes did what they had to do against Youngstown State. Uh, I've come to this conclusion about the Buckeyes in this quarterback situation. McCord is going to be playing more. Because McCord is ready and more prepared to play at this level. The more talented quarterback is Devin Brown. Devin Brown has got the higher ceiling. Devin Brown has the ability to do more. But for this season and for expectations of winning big, Devin Brown's probably not going to get more than eight or nine wins. McCord does have a chance to maybe to maybe get to an elite level, and he has familiarity with Harrison. 
So because of that, I, I'm now understanding this quarterback dilemma. You kind of want to play Brown. You kind of want to start Brown, but Brown's just frankly not ready. I think you're going to see more McCord going forward. Is the Buckeyes do not have time to make a development play in Devin Brown. And that's somewhat of a concern too, a little bit for me with Devin Brown. Sometimes these guys can just roll up and play and Devin Brown's clearing out that quarterback. Buckeyes made the big plays. They finally got some Marvin Harrison Jr. going. He had a big day. Abuka had a big touchdown. Travion Henderson looked revised. And look, they didn't play a team that was going to compete with the Buckeyes. They have one more warm-up before they play the Irish. Western Kentucky is a lot tougher of an opponent. You can't sleep on Western Kentucky. They're in that Navy kind of world where if you got to take them seriously, you got to execute because if you don't, you could lose. Buckeye should win, yes, but it's a nice warm-up. It's a nice tee-up to Ohio State. It means it's hard to our name. But the one thing I'll say is that for Ohio State and watching what I've seen so far, I'm not seeing anything yet that tells me they're able to take that quantum leap, that they're able to actually get to that next level. I'm not, I'm not quite seeing that. Buckeyes, Washington, Kentucky this week. Defense is doing what they need to do. But again, nothing thrilling, nothing, nothing eye-opening. They're good defense. I don't know if they're great. We'll see. We will see. I think they're good defense, though. Can the Buckeyes run the table? Not right now. Could that change by the end of the season? Yes. Because they have weapons that can definitely flip the script. Moving forward to the Guardians, and my gosh, what a terrible week. Terrible, terrible week for the Guardians. When you lose 20-6 to on Giolito... Kind of sets the tone. And then the very next day, Francona goes on a radio program, basically reinforcing he's not coming back. And then there's no follow-up. It's just been a strange time for the Guardians. Strange time to be a fan. It's very odd anymore that we, during the Francona era, we kind of feel weird. And this is a weird, this doesn't feel right um, right now as we're winding this season down. Uh, Guardians are getting bullied around right now on the West Coast, and that's not a good sign. The Guardians look like they're not checked out, but they look weak. They look frail. I thought the Angels kind of pushed them around, and um, we're taping this on Tuesday morning. Last night by the Giants, the Giants kind of pushed them around. They're starting to look a little frail. Guardians need to start flipping the script with their play. Yes, they're not making the playoffs, but these games, this is a young team. We need to start seeing some edge again. Last year's team had some edge. Not seeing that right now. And Emmanuel Classe, who's actually not having the worst year, is having a year of, like, boomer bust, and he had another bust last night on Monday night, blowing another save. Guardians just can't get momentum. And again, since that Francona back and forth, what was going to happen? I'm, I'm retiring. It just kind of seems like the Guardians are kind of getting pushed around. In fact, I know they're getting pushed around. I thought the Angels pushed them around. The Giants in one game here pushed them around too. It's sad. 
we love the Guardians. We love Francona, but not going well. Kind of concerned this season might get ugly. Because they still have to play teams that are trying to make the playoffs in the Rangers. And they're going to be playing the Tigers again, who seem to want to scoop up and spit out Francona wherever they can. They play the Orioles too. Mm. Sad times in Guardians land. Sad, sad times. And finally, Tristan Thompson's coming back to the Cavs is announced on Monday. Exciting stuff. Actually, a kind of a perfect player for this team. He actually provides a role to something that's really not on this squad right now outside of Jared Allen. He's a perfect complimentary player to Jared Allen. When he needs to rest, insert Tristan Thompson. It makes a lot of sense. It's exciting. And, of course, he's a 2016 calf. So where can you go wrong? Exciting, exciting stuff. Join us at the Brew House. Monday Night Football. Crocker Park. Browns get excited. Guardians need to clean up what's going on in Francona. Need to make an official announcement there, I think. Need to stop getting bullied around. Buckeyes have some quarterback, I, I think, quarterback dilemmas, but I think they're starting to get solved by itself. And Tristan Thompson's back. That's the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name's Andy Billman. Believeintheland.com at official Cleveland sports. Thank you. See you next week. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!